The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Welcome to the Barca Blog on Us podcast. My name is Josh. I'm joined by our old friend, Emil Avanesian. Emil, how are we doing? Good, Josh. How are you doing? Doing good. So before we get started, just let the people know, what what are we working on recently? What are we going to be working on? Uh, so I'm actually, uh, you know, got a couple of things in the works for my site, hardwoodhype.com, along with, um, you know, a couple of sort of, not affiliated, but sort of friendly sites that I'm working on for uh, some Laker content because uh, my Lakers, you know, got the ring back. So that's uh, it's been exciting times over here. And uh, additionally, I'm also doing some work uh, sort of outside the sports world, looking at, um, I've been writing articles for, for a website called uh, emerging.com about the sort of the, the restaurant industry and kind of the, the business of restaurants and particularly kind of um, the, the ups and many, many downs during, uh, during COVID and the, the fits and starts to get restarted and everything like that. That's fast. So is, is that posted yet? Because I would love to link that if that's already up. Uh, so I, I can actually send that to you. Um, I've, I wrote three articles for them last month, as a matter of fact. And uh, so I'm working on sort of another as we go. Yeah, because that's obviously like a super fascinating conversation about like local restaurants and how they're um, surviving or not surviving and all that stuff. And it's it's sad, but it's interesting to read about. So I'll definitely link that. Um, so yeah. I, I wanted to talk about um, a few different things today. I hadn't gotten your thoughts on everything that's going on with Bartomeo and the recall vote. Um, yeah. Kind of how are people reacting to that? How are you reacting to it? And just some, some brief thoughts on everything um, regarding the referendum. Yeah, so I mean, I think the... Um, I think we've kind of talked about it. My, my take on Bartomeo is that, he, you know, he's frankly been a... A disaster, and I, you know, I, I would support his his ouster. Um, I'm, I'm in favor of the recall vote. I'm in favor of sort of actually, um, you know, his his actual replacement. Um, as far as people's uh, people's reaction here, I mean, by and large, he's not particularly popular. I mean, I think I mentioned this in the past um, that. Sort of when you talk to people, even uh, kind of from a distance, and you know, prior to prior to moving here a year ago, I was also just uh, you know I followed Barca from from distance from the United States, and there are presidents that are more and less. Um, I don't even know if it's like beloved or revered, but sort of presidents that are held in, in higher regard from the past. But by and large, kind of if you speak to any if you spoke to speak to any group of Barca fans. Everyone kind of has their gripes with every with every president that was around, and sort of, and I think a little bit of a running theme is 
And obviously this happens to varying degrees with, you know, with varying regimes, but the sort of the consensus seems to be that every president sort of does in fact kind of make his own mess and sort of leave it, you know, sort of hide it as best they can and sort of leave it as a surprise for, for whoever follows them into, into the sea. Uh, that being said, I mean, the, the Bartomeu thing is, um, I think what's been most egregious about it is that the, the quality of the team and the performance of the players are sort of the, I don't know, the, the caliber of player that, that they've acquired. And I think just sort of the, the environment around the team has kind of deteriorated or, you know, I mean, I guess there's, it, we've kind of talked about it, you know, there's, and I mean, everyone's talked about it. So there's that kind of, there's like that sense of the, the, the rot at the, at the center of the club. So sort of no matter how much talent you bring in and, and whatever you bring in, it's kind of that, the, at the epicenter, you know, sort of at that, at that core of the club, like there's just kind of fundamental problems. Um, for instance, you know, like Sandro Rossell, who actually went to jail for money laundering. Uh, he's Bartomeu's, you know, friend, if not sort of ally or mentor, or I don't know what exactly he is, but he and Bartomeu are, are tight. Sandro Rossell, by and large, sort of skates the, the worst kind of lingering uh, reputational damage because at the very least he sort of, he brought in Neymar and he he presided over a period of winning the league a bunch of times, winning the Copa del Rey and a treble in 2015, you know what I mean? And I mean, I know the, that treble happened under Bartomeu, but bringing in Neymar was sort of Russell's big, big play. So how much of this is just that um, winning covers all sins and winning isn't happening right now versus his actual decision-making. I mean, I think it's, um, so I think in a sort of in a normal environment, I think winning would cover, you know, would, would basically cure all of the ills, um, you know, sort of, uh, if Messi was still surrounded by kind of, a kind of a, a peak level core and they were just reeling off league championships and, you know, and kind of competing at the semifinals and finals of the champions league and not sort of making an absolute mess, you know, of their exits from the champions league every year. I think it would be, I think that would actually go a very long way and Russell and uh, Barto would kind of be able to, I don't know, just sort of see out his term and, sort of quietly make for the exit by and large probably wouldn't be super popular, but I don't know if there would be quite the sort of the, the fear and the uproar that there is uh, where I think there's a huge problem is the, you know, because of COVID and all the, you know, the not allowing fans into, into stadiums and things like that. Um, I think like there's been enough sort of loss of revenue and, you know, sort of, Barcelona itself is a city that is, you know, very, I don't want to say reliant, but sort of, you know, uh, tourist dollars make up a, a very significant chunk of, um, of the local economy. So kind of the, the city itself has lost a lot of the, the, the tourism and hospitality dollars that typically come in. And then Barcelona themselves have taken a hit on revenue by having no no ticket sales, no match day revenue, you know, uh, concessions and merchandise and everything like that from from those tourists and even from locals. 
So I think right now the uh, Bartomeu I think would have been in trouble more than more than usual. Um, anyway, even if the team was playing well, because I think the financial mire that they've sort of put the team into is really magnified by the fact that revenues are down so much. And the the problem is like the the team is in a in a financial mess, and they're kind of looking desperately to shed shed payroll and kind of raise funds from from whatever assets you know on you know kind of playing assets they have left. So for whoever comes in next after Bartomeu, um, presumably mm-hmm. you know early mid next year, is this yeah. the best or the worst time to take over Barcelona in that position? Um, it's a really good question. I mean, I think it's. It's probably better than worse, I'd say, because uh, you're you're following a super unpopular president, so that's that's pretty good. Like you're gonna come in with a certain amount of because the the presumption is probably gonna be uh, Font, who's kind of the anti Bartomeu candidate. So he's gonna come in, and so you follow a president who's not very popular and whose you know performance both financially and, and on field was pretty substandard. So the, the bar is pretty low. Um, I think the one question just becomes kind of how quickly do sort of do the revenues recover and um, how quickly can you kind of work through that backlog of uh, depreciating assets and, you know, really kind of top dollar contracts for, for guys who aren't, weren't performing. So, I mean, because there's so many guys that were bought that either there's no little to no chance of recouping even the transfer fee that you paid for them, let alone getting someone to take on sort of the, the astronomical wages that you gave them as well. So moving on from, from Bartomeu, uh, Ronald yeah. Koeman, um, there's been some like revisionist history in the last, you know, since the international break started about uh, how positive or negative his time has been thus far. Um, just speaking from your perspective, what have you liked from Koeman's Barcelona and what have you not liked about it? Um, I mean, by and large, I, mean, I would actually say I've... Um, no, I'm, I'm not saying that it's been absolutely flawless, but there hasn't been anything glaring that I haven't liked. Um, I mean, I think at some point he's going to have to, um, I mean, and usually this always comes down to, to Messi, really. And I think I, I saw something on Twitter just yesterday that um, I think Barca have something like 24 or 25 games over the next kind of, like three and a half, four months. And whether whether Leo likes it or not, I mean, I think Kuman is going to have to force some rest onto him. Um, and I mean, that's kind of the, the biggest thing. I mean, I've, I've enjoyed watching the, the, the young guys get some, you know, the young guys get a chance. And the, the mentality of the team, I mean, kind of seems to be, they do seem to be pretty engaged. I mean, particularly the first two games, and honestly, the 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 third league game against uh, Sevilla. I mean, there was no. First of all, I mean, there's no shame in in a draw against Sevilla, and secondly, I mean, there were opportunities for 
you know, for attacks and for goals that, you know, on another day, um, Barca could have won. I mean, it wasn't a spectacular performance, but it was, I mean, it was fine. You know, it was, it was perfectly okay. So by and large, I mean, I think the, the team looks engaged. What I actually like to, and I don't know if it's something that Messi is doing kind of, uh, I've joked that I, I feel like we're all now, uh, anyone who roots for Barca or follows Barca with any regularity is now almost kind of forensically judging Messi's body language at any given time to see if he's yeah we're all like, body language doctors as Bill Simmons says is, yeah yeah is he like is he happy like is he you know does he look does he look mopey today like is he oh no like that one team he came over, came over to give him a high five he you know just he didn't really smile enough is that like is that a sign and um, so I've kind of been driving myself nuts with that but I mean. That is going to be whatever it is. But what I like is that, uh, and you and I talked about this under both Setien and <clears throat> Valverde. It was kind of the just the mere presence of Messi seemed to just suck so much air out of the room for everybody else. Where even these other, you know, very well paid, very like top level players, sort of seemed, I don't know, almost kind of timid and tentative and almost like just ridiculously differential. There does seem to be more of a a movement, and I, I assume this has come from Kuman, to kind of encourage the the other guys to assert themselves at least a little bit more, you know, whether it's been I mean Ansu Fati has been fantastic. I mean he's just so so damn good. And uh, I don't know how much of that is Kuman and how much of that is Fati just being, you know, 17 and awesome and just sort of you know, recognizing his ability, but I'm talking about like De Jong and uh, I mean, even Coutinho's looked good, you know, he's, and I think Coutinho's back playing something closer to his, his proper position. And, you know, as it turns out, he hadn't completely forgotten how to play. And um, so, I mean, I think there's particularly in the midfield, but uh, I think there is a certain level of kind of confidence and self-assuredness from, sort of the, the supporting cast that wasn't always there. Yeah. And you, you mentioned Coutinho. He was a guy you and I talked about a lot leading up to the season as someone we were interested in seeing how he was going to play. Um, has he been a... Because I think like the broader narrative, and I, I think we wrote a piece like talking about Coutinho being a breath of fresh air. Is it... Mm-hmm. Is it more so he's just like playing competently or has he actually been like a very like creative, positive force for Barcelona? Or is it just like, well, he's not tripping over himself at Barcelona. So this is a good thing. I mean, like kind of everywhere. I know he, he towards the end of his time at Bayern, he was sort of, he wasn't one of Bayern's superstars, but he was, you know, he was sort of a part of, part of the team there, but he had some fantastic performances for Bayern, um, you know, when he, when he arrived there. And if you look back to, honestly, not that long ago, when uh, uh, Barca acquired him from Liverpool, this guy has been a legitimately outstanding, you know, sort of world-class level player. And the, the funny thing is, like, I, it seemed like it was always kind of a confidence issue with him because I don't know that I would, I don't know that I ever thought that, oh man, this guy just kind of 
forgot how to do the, the stuff that he knows how to do, you know? And um, so I think he's actually, I think he's coming with more confidence. He has been a, a very good kind of, uh, I'd say a creative force um, in the midfield. And he, it's a bit of both. I mean, cause like he hasn't made any mistakes. He hasn't sort of, I mean, there haven't been any big moments yet, you know, kind of at this point in the season, but he's, he hasn't kind of shrunk in the face of anything that he's been asked to do. And he's been, he's played well, um, you know, he's kind of assertive, but kind of recognizing his role. He's, you know, whether, whether or not he'll ever justify kind of the, the astronomical fee that, that was paid for him, I think there's a much kind of cleaner roadmap to him being kind of, you know, a valuable player for Barca for kind of the, the foreseeable future, if not possibly a star. I mean, because, again, I, mean, I keep saying, like, this guy's he's not old. He's not over the hill. He's not – he hasn't been decimated by injuries. And he has been – a star in the past. So there's, you know, it's, it's more than conceivable that it can, that it can happen again. His, his health in recent in the last like 18 months has also been something that's encouraging because I think, yeah. I think if you had, we had had this conversation, you know, a year and a half ago, it, it, the narrative around him was like, well, can he stay healthy? Like that had, mm-hmm. in his time at Liverpool and early time at Barcelona, like he wasn't facing Dembele level injuries, but he had been um, nicked up quite a bit. So it's nice to see uh, may, maybe some time with the German doctors has helped him a little bit uh, yeah. with his training. Um, talking about injuries and Dembele, why isn't he getting more playing time? I don't know. Um, that's that's my honest answer. I mean, you have this guy who, okay, so at this point, presumably he's he's healthy, right? So you you have one of one of two things to do with him. You either want to rehabilitate his market value because he, so you either want to get rid of him, at which point it would kind of make sense to rehabilitate his market value and ideally kind of scrape it, you know, kind of scrape together a few more dollars as, you know, if you want to move them on. Um, also, I mean, <clears throat> with, with all these games coming, I mean, the, the schedule is just so dense over the next couple of months. He's also, I mean, the guy's still, uh, you know, super talented. He causes problems for opposing defenses. I mean, he could be a really good release valve for other attackers and, you know, sort of allow you to, allow you to rest some of your first first choice guys a little bit. And that's assuming that all that Kuman and sort of the the guys upstairs, they just want to move him on. On the other hand, this guy's finally healthy. He's one of the biggest signings in the history of the club. He's a really talented player. And again, like I'm gonna reiterate it, he's finally healthy. Let this guy play either rehabilitate his value or let him help the team, but just paying him to do nothing is kind of ridiculous. It doesn't make any sense too, because like you talked about rehabilitating his market value, which I think was kind of the assumed position that I I think you and I both took that they were going to to take with him. Um, If you're not going to do that by playing him, like his value isn't going to go up by letting him sit on the bench. So why wouldn't have they just sold him in the last couple months for like 10 cents on the dollar? Like if, if that's what they, 
expect to happen because like surely they don't think letting him sit on the bench and getting one out of every like five Copa del Rey matches or something crazy like that is going to increase his value all that much. So I don't know. My suspicion is that he isn't actually like as healthy as they want him to be or something like that. That, I mean, that's more conceivable than just sort of the only thing that makes sense. Exactly. Yeah. Because neither of the other ones, either you want, yeah. Like either he's a part of your team long-term or you want to get rid of him. But in either of those cases, if he's healthy, it makes sense to play him. Whereas, yeah, your your scenario is the only one that actually kind of logically adds up. You know, he might be nicked up and it might just be sort of to, I don't know, to keep kind of the, the public sentiment and, you know, among Barcelona fans to not, to sort of uh, avoid further frustration with, oh my God, this guy is always injured type of thing. Um, because as it is right now, we're kind of annoyed with Kuman for not playing him rather than uh, Dembele for being injured. So that's a that's a change of pace, and like that's you know <laughs> that might be doing him a little bit of a solid. Yeah. When I say the name Antoine Griezmann, what do you think about right now? <laughs> um, I mean. By the way, we talk about the same like four players every time you come on, and it's always interesting it's, because it changes every time. <laughs> it really does. I, no, like I, I was just thinking about this because I was just thinking about. I'm like, what did I say about? Because we were both very excited to watch Antoine Griezmann yes. this year. <laughs> yeah, because I thought he was going to be sort of in the position that he should be in. I thought he was going to be sort of you know front and center, like kind of you know not not leading the line per se, but sort of a you know a central attacker, kind of where he where he fits. And I don't know. I mean, it just like, and I'm sure others might have had this opinion as well. He's a guy who seems to be doing so much, but then also like not doing very much. Like he's always moving. He's always just kind of like buzzing around somewhere, but there's, you know, he isn't really sort of creating a lot of chances. He isn't, um, He's not sort of shooting with the right amount of aggression to presumably kind of finish off some chances himself and be the goal scorer. And because I know like his his role at Atletico wasn't sort of Atletico was kind of you know Diego Simeone is perpetually in in pursuit of the one nil win. Like the the second goal is like I mean I I bet like he probably just like just rants about the excess if they win 2-0, you know? Like, just, just you you do the job, you do exactly that, you win 1-0 and you go home, you know? Like, and um, so, I mean, so in that system, like, Griezmann was supposed to essentially just kind of cause havoc for, for the other team's defense and kind of buzz around a lot and everything. Um, Barca, like, the, the mentality is different, and particularly with kind of the, the mandate that Koeman's been given where kind of bring back that that Barcelona way and like the kind of that the the ethos of the Cruyff Guardiola teams where you know you attack and then you just keep attacking and pile on the goals. I don't know if it's a problem with sort of I don't know if the the time that at Atletico kind of rewired Griezmann into effectively like the most defensive striker ever or um I mean, if is is it just a bad fit here? I mean, 
like the teammates don't seem to hate him, but um, he just doesn't seem to have a, even when he has a clear cut role, he doesn't seem to sort of be embracing the role that's there for him. Yeah. I don't know if he's a creator or is he going to be trying to kind of fill the Suarez role a little bit and like poaching goals or what? So I don't know, man. He's just a much (laughs) different striker than the stereotypical like Lewandowski Suarez guy that I think people including myself kind of expected him to transition into and I think like you talked about his style at Atletico and how hard that probably is to get out of and it's not necessarily a bad style I just don't know if it fits what Koeman and Barcelona want out of their striker yeah uh, I I was listening to something else I for the life of me can't remember who said it but it was interesting that like um, sort of the, you know, Atletico and kind of particularly sort of Simeone's Atletico, they are, I mean, yeah, they're still nowhere near the size of Barcelona and Real Madrid, but they are sort of a massive club, you know what I mean? Like they're perpetually, or at least perennially now, kind of one of the 10-ish best clubs in the, you know, in Europe or in the world. And but they still sort of the, the style that Simeone preaches and in in that they play so much is this kind of underdog style of stifle the other team, stifle the other team, and then sort of clip a goal or two and then kind of hold them off rather than sort of, you know, the way that sort of peak Barcelona and Real Madrid, Madrid teams would do is, you know, you get too early and then it's kind of off to the races and you end up winning, you know, five, six, seven, you know, five, six, seven, nil or one, you know, but, uh, yeah, so I don't know. Yeah. It seems like he's still very much playing a different system to his teammates. So kind of talking about, uh, Barcelona return to play, um, against Mm -hmm. Getafe this weekend before beginning champions Mm -hmm. league play next Tuesday. And then, back-to-back games within five days against Real Madrid and Juve. So when we chat again yeah. in a few weeks to a month's time, what will we yep. be saying about Barcelona season? Play, play, play um, future Emil for me. I, I, will, all right. I think, I think I'm going to... I'm, I'm going to actually say that Barca will win... The Hetafe game, the um, oh my god, I was just looking at the the Champions League game. The um, listen, I'm looking at it right now and I can't pronounce it. Is it? Oh wait, it, it's Ferenavarkas. Uh, <laughs> oh, let me. Uh, Ferenavarkas. Uh, I. Oh, oh, it's a uh, Ferenc Varos. <laughs> yeah, like I've, okay. I've heard of them. Like they were good. I guess like half a century ago. Like they were amazing. Like half a century ago. Uh, but uh, like that's where all those amazing like Hungarian players that have played in Spain came through. Like uh, I don't know if it was Kubala, but uh, the 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 other like the great Hungarian players. Like so, okay. So nonetheless, uh, I'm I'm predicting a wins against Hitafe, Ferencváros, and uh, actually Madrid. Um. Because, I mean, it, sort of I've seen two of Madrid's three games thus far. And, you know, while they're still extremely talented and, you know, 
it's it's still sort of Real Madrid, and this is far from sort of a peak vintage Barcelona team. I think kind of the the flow of Barcelona's games over the you know the, the flow of their play over the first three games, and frankly, just sort of the the talent on hand, both has me leaning towards Barca, and so I'm going to say that they take those first three. Now, the the one against Juve, I could really see that going either way. I mean, I think. Frankly, Barcelona will probably be, maybe not publicly, but they'd probably be happy to get out of that with a draw. But um, that one, I think, is much more sort of uh, too close to call. I'd say they probably end up with 10 out of 12 points from those four games. How sad are you going to be if Cristiano Ronaldo can't play in that game, by the way? I'm going to be kind of bummed because, yeah. like That would uh, suck. That really would suck. I mean, I think, like, so he shouldn't have enough time, right? I mean, it's... You would um, think, especially with all of his Ronaldo money and things, you know? Yeah, because he just, he, he just went into quarantine, what was it, like, or, it like you know... Tuesday was when he got the test yeah. back, so probably Monday. Yeah, so let's see. So if he did that on, so if he went on Tuesday, I mean... Yeah, he, he, should, he should be fine. Yeah, I mean... Yeah, it's almost going to be almost exactly two weeks from then until the, the Champions League thing. And I mean, I imagine they'll, they'll probably backdate something if it's like a one-day sure, sure, sure. thing, you know? Like, no, no, no. <laughs> yeah, he, he really started on Monday. And yeah, just, but yeah, I mean, I, I would love to see that. Um, I mean, frankly, I really, really enjoyed watching uh, Dybala. Sort of the, I mean, because he was so awesome last season. And so... Um, I mean, for Barca's sake, it's uh, for Barca's sake. I'd honestly probably almost rather see Ronaldo than than Dybala, but uh, and I know those are going to be famous last words, but uh, <laughs> yeah. So okay, I'm, I'm actually really looking forward to that Juve game. Just last, like, just like f- fantasy question before we go. If mm-hmm. right now I give you a choice between signing Dybala or Laturo, who would you take? Dybala. Yeah. Okay. Cool. I just wanted no, to make sure that was still. Just no, yeah. Yeah. No. No. And the thing is, like, Lotaro's really good. Yeah, <laughs> but he's not the ball. <laughs> no, that's the thing. I mean, it's. It, I always feel bad because I've, I've never sort of come down on the Lotaro side of anything, and it would almost come across as like, I don't think he's very good, or I don't like him for some reason. Like, no, it just it constantly comes down to him and just other incredible players that make yeah. them just slightly better yep okay cool so check out Emil Hardwood Hype um, we're gonna link his restaurant stuff and his recent work yeah. in the piece and uh, we're gonna chat in a few weeks when either Barcelona season is on fire and Kuman's job is in jeopardy or uh, things are going great yeah exactly well Bartomeu just all the all the office politics will be just a distant memory because we're just churning out the winds that's right that's <laughs> right alright Emil thanks for joining us Josh, thanks a lot, man.